Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Robert Crest Root Pharmacist Radio. As you know, you can find us socially. Uh, go on over to Instagram at Root Pharmacist, and you can find us at Facebook under the same thing. Anyhow, it's been a bit. I'm back. We're going to be back with some vigor and some consistency. Today, I want to talk about something that is a, a very hot topic, given the time of year. We're in October. We're turning the corner from fall into winter, although it's still very much fall right now, and I hope you're having a wonderful fall. But uh, let's talk about the flu jab, the flu shot. Um, this is a polarizing topic. This is a topic that uh, you're going to find a lot of passionate opinions about, um, a lot of people that are very for, and a lot of people that are very against. Uh, if you ask me what I am, I am just absolutely freedom of choice. I think it's up to an individual to make the choice on themselves. And I also hope it's up to them or they will also ask the right questions. They'll do the due diligence to make sure it's the right decision. And they're not just taking anyone's opinion for it. They're not taking my opinion. They're not taking their pharmacist's opinion, their doctor's opinion, or their friend's opinion, um, regardless of what the opinion might be. So um, – I am not a vaccinating pharmacist, as there are many vaccinating pharmacists. And for the job I work a few days a week, I'm fortunate. Uh, well, you know, I don't think they probably would want me to be such a vaccinating pharmacist because I do have, I'm going to share with you some questions which certainly views or makes my choice to avoid the flu shot. Uh, so I have not gotten one. I I think I got one once in Jackson Hole in the late 90s, and it was just such a random thing. Um, nurse across the street offered it for me for free. Didn't know. I said, ah, sure. What the heck? Um, and yes, I did get sick from it that time. So, but I'm going to share with you some questions that I think everyone should probably maybe, uh, whether it's regards to the flu shot, whether it's regards to vaccines or whatever it might be. As I said, there's people that are going to be totally for it, um, but there's going to be people that are totally against it. And within the against it folks, um, as I said, I'm, I'm total freedom of choice. I think it's up to you to make the decision, but I am not for the people who outspokenly will be against it, but then they'll treat themselves like crap. They will not eat right. They will not exercise. They will not think right. They will not do all the things that you need to do to keep a strong, healthy immune system. So I don't believe that voice needs to be heard. Now, if they do practice the right lifestyle strategies, which I believe you can do to support your immune system, um, then have a voice, right? So let's get into some of this. So first and foremost, as I said, I don't care what anyone decides to do. I believe it's absolute freedom of choice, and I want to retain that and maintain that because I do believe that the drive of the industry is towards mandatory vaccinations. And at least right now, if it's not law, they do it through marketing, clever marketing, and guilt and fear, which is not right either. For instance, if you take a look at some of the, um, for instance, the high-dose vaccine for elderly people, to my knowledge, I have searched, there is no clinical research that actually backs that a high-dose is more effective. That's just going off of the old theory that more is better, right? Um, I don't think that's I don't think that's necessarily the case. If you have some clinical research for it, if you want to send them my way, please do. Uh, you can send it to rootpharmacist.gmail.com. But if you've seen these commercials, it just shows the ambulance, the lights, the sirens, almost like someone died of the flu, when honestly, the numbers aren't that high because what they do is when they give the flu death numbers, they basically bog that all in together with pneumonia deaths as well. Um, now, so as I said, as far as law, I do think 
the drive is to get towards mandatory, but at least right now they're doing it through almost like a social manipulation and fear, which I don't think is cool. We need to take a non-biased approach and look at the goods and the bads and everything we need to look at. So if someone came up to me, I'm not in the mood or I'm never in the place to talk someone out of the flu vaccine Um, because here's the deal. If you believe it's effective and it's going to work for you, there is strong power and belief and it's not up to me to dissuade your choice. So if you came up and I told you why I don't get the flu shot and then you decided not to, but you still had this subconscious belief that it worked, you might get the flu where other times see power the power of belief is amazing. Um, and I think in a lot of times that might work for people, right? So if you're there, then it's not up to me to talk you out of it. But here's some questions I'd like to share with you. When you're looking at any vaccine, just Google and look for a government website that'll say it. Um, what is the number needed to treat? Now, the reason I say this is because when you look at the numbers on marketing campaigns, um, that talk about whatever it is, or shingles, you know, say 99% of effective or whatever it might be. These numbers are swayed and they're not black and white and they're not accurate. They'll actually do um, very clever math routines, I guess you could say, um, to come to these numbers to get you shaking your head and think it is that believable. Um, but what I want you to ask or search for, what is the number needed to treat? Now, that's the NNT. The NNT everyone should be aware of. Um, and what it is, it's how many people need to be treated or, or vaccinated, inoculated to prevent one case of whatever, whatever we're speaking about. And you can do this with drugs as well. Um, but for instance, the number needed to treat for the flu, the flu vaccine is about 40, which this means, and they're telling us this in their literature, that you need to give about 40 different inoculations to prevent one case of the flu. All right. So If you hear that and you're still comfortable to get the flu vaccine, if you want to be that one person, awesome, right? And you know, I should probably get back to, I talked about the people who um, are against the flu vaccine, right? But they don't treat themselves right. They don't eat right. Well, I'm saying the same thing for the people that do. Do not believe this is a magic bullet. Do not believe you can just get a flu jab and then you can just eat whatever you want. You can drink whatever you want. You can stay out as late as you ever, ever you want. It's not the case. First and foremost, because the lifestyle and how you treat your immune system. All right. So we asked that. Now, the other thing, another question would be, are there risks? All right. Well, what risks could there be? Um, well, uh, I think we've all seen the anecdotal evidence of someone that gets a flu shot. They suddenly might get sick. Um, the research doesn't back it. They'll call it a myth. But let's just go to what we see with people. I've seen people everything from getting the sniffles to getting full-blown sick. Now, when you see things like the sniffles and stuff like that, that's almost expected, I guess you could say. Reason being um, – the body's doing what it needs to do. You know, the body has, the immune system's been challenged and what it's done, it's kind of raised its defenses, the inflammation, it's got the nose running to get this toxin out of the system. So that's kind of believable. So we got things like that, but what else do we have? Well, we can have toxins in these flu vaccines. We can have uh, foreign DNA in there. I necessarily don't want that injected into me. So I definitely believe there should be a stronger call need and almost a rule of law for green vaccines. Um, 
so they challenge immunity. There could be intolerances and allergens in there, people that might have a, you know, an egg allergy or something like that. Um, there's heavy metals. There's mercury. Now, yes, there's mercury-free flu vaccines, which comes in the form of thimerosal, but there's also um, aluminum. And the amount of aluminum is quite a large amount. So, And someone might look at that and say, well, no, it's still within limits. I just want you to understand that toxins and heavy metals, the game is accumulative. Where else are you getting these in your system? Surely it's not just from a vaccine jab. So let's keep open to that. Um, another question that I like to raise to mind is, are these customizable? Are they meant for me? And the only reason I'll say this is, does it even make sense? And, you know, I kind of alluded to this to the high dose, the high strength one, right, for the elderly that they promote, which I don't believe there's any science behind that. Um, but why would a young child get the same dose of the flu vaccine as someone say, well, I'll say a general adult? complete difference in body weight and metabolism and everything. But how about someone like Shaquille O'Neal, right? A seven foot giant. How is that possible? So, you know, what are we really doing? Um, another question that I'd like to throw out there. Um, basically, what are the variables to the effectiveness? Because we look at a, like the belief is with any vaccine or any treatment, you know, because there's a strong placebo effect in things. And there's also a strong nocebo effect. What are these? Well, the placebo effect would be like giving someone a sugar pill and saying it's a certain medicine and it can, you know, cure something or heal something. And it it's quite a strong effect. And the effect has actually gotten stronger um, in our in the United States because of drug companies um, advertising to the point where uh, it's really difficult to get a pain med um, passed by the FDA because they find the placebo effect is only something like 9% less than the effect of the drug, which is quite small. And this has gone from like 24 to 9% in just a few years. So power and belief, that's what I was saying earlier. We need to keep an eye on that. The nocebo effect is when you see something of neg negative anticipatory or anticipation. So um, say if you hear all these people, these stories of people who got the flu shot and they got sick. Well, you know, just through that power of belief, you might just get sick. So we need to keep in mind that. Um, what I'd also like to talk about, as I just kind of alluded to, uh, the variables to effectiveness. There's a lot of research that's done on immunity and what stress can do to immunity and effectiveness. Um, and they've done studies uh, where the research subjects would be like um, caregivers. Uh, so say maybe it's a wife of a husband who has Alzheimer's disease. That's a lot of stress. Um, and that's a long-term stress. Then another one would be of college students, um, college students cramming for tests. So what they found in all these cases is that their response to a flu vaccine is much less than the response to someone without the stress. So stress itself can neuter the effectiveness. So shouldn't that be a question or shouldn't that be an assessment that we do before giving someone a vaccine? So just a thought. Lastly, what should we ask is, are there alternatives? Are there natural things that we can do to help prevent the flu? And the answer is yes. Um, obviously, we want to do the simple things like we want to wash our hands regularly, right? So we want to do that. Um, we want to make sure our gut is point on, our digestive tract. That is like the basis of our immune system. 80% of our immune cells are created there. So we want to get a, on a good probiotic maintenance. Now, if we have any gut issues, then we want to get into repairing it. So when I say a good probiotic, let me go back. Um, most uh, 
experts are going to look for um, a five strain, at least five strains, proven strains together. So it's multiple strains in one probiotic and at least 10 to 25 billion units a day. Okay. So this is because we've got trillions of bugs in our body. So we need to make a dent. So that's going to be one of the best ways to support it. If you have other gut issues, then we need to go deeper. Not what I'm going to get into here on this podcast. Uh, I'd like to see you reduce sugar and alcohol consumption. You know, when we're coming into the season, we start having holiday parties. Uh, Maybe it's seasonal affective disorder. Maybe it's just stress. People tend to reach for things like comfort foods, like sugar, like alcohol. That stuff can drop the immune system quickly and bring on things uh, like a scratchy throat that can open you up to receiving a flu if it comes by you. I want you to sleep. It's so important to sleep. That's the next one. On average, seven to nine hours of sleep every night. Um, sleep is one of the biggest things that will certainly new to your stress response system and it will lower your immune system. So we need to do that. Um, and whatever it takes, such as do we need to create uh, a ritual before bedtime, you know, taking all the light at, lights away from us, maybe reading a book, not watching TV, exercising earlier in the day so our cortisol is not raised at nighttime. Maybe look at natural supplements. You know, a lot of people are awake. They wake up between two and four with their mind racing. Um, I like to look at inhibitory neurotransmitters. What does that mean? Uh, L-theanine. GABA, these are things that are going to slow a race in mind. Maybe a product that has like glycine in it, which is an amino acid that supports body relaxation. So it's kind of of mind, of body. And don't forget magnesium. Magnesium glycinate, one of my favorite things. Um, I've been talking about stress. We really need to manage our stress. We need to make sure we... um, honor our rhythms. Okay. Uh, basically we have our circadian rhythms that are day to night, right? But we have these ultradian rhythms throughout the day and that's how we're designed to operate best. So if you can honor these rhythms, I promise you, you will have get more done in a day. You'll feel like you've had more hours in a day and you'll be less tired at the end of the day. What does this mean? Well, it means you're going to work hard and strong and focus for about an hour, hour and 15 minutes, maybe 45 minutes, whatever suits you best. But then you're going to switch gears. You're going to take say maybe a 10 minute break five-minute break, just to disconnect and go elsewhere. Um, Maybe go outside, do some breathing exercises. This is how our body operates. This is how one of the greatest ways I know to reduce stress. Now, we can also use stress-relieving techniques, breathing techniques, yoga, meditation. Uh, On an upcoming podcast, I'm going to talk about my morning ritual, what I do, uh, things that keep me strong, grounded, and balanced throughout the day. So we want to manage stress. Uh, As far as exercise, you can look at things like yoga, tai chi. We don't want to overdo exercise either. Um, How about immune boosters? So, you know, Let's look at natural supplements. First and foremost, I want you to optimize your vitamin D levels. What does that mean? It means to get them tested. When you look at the results, it's going to say 30 to 100 is normal. Well, that's a huge variable. What we're finding with all the research is that 60 to 80 is kind of the sweet spot for vitamin D3, the active D levels you're looking for. Um, so if you're low, we want to adjust that. I per- Now, I'm in Michigan, right? So we don't get a lot of sunshine year-round. Um, and you need to be in a UV index of 3 or above and in the sun every day for a little bit of time, uninhibited sun exposure to get your body to naturally produce it. But there are variables that can slow down on the production, such as low magnesium levels or even the body, I should say the body's ability to assimilate the natural D. So um, we're going to want to supplement. On average, I see around here about three to 7,000 units a day is what people take to keep them in the 60 to 80 realm. 
So we want to do that. And vitamin D itself has shown to be very effective for preventing the flu. Um, we want to look at vitamin C, uh, one to 2,000 milligrams a day. 65 milligrams is what's needed to prevent scurvy, I believe, which you know we need to bump that up. Vitamin C should be taken twice a day as well as it's water-soluble. Um, other ones that I like a lot, I'm a big fan of um, a strain of brewer's yeast known as Epicor. It's a nice way to upregulate your immune cells. That works very well. Um, and then there's others. Zinc and selenium are great for this time of year, but certainly consider a foundationally support strong multivitamin. So um, there we go. So, you know, I just wanted to cover that. Uh, I hope I gave you some information to step off of. Once again, I'm not for, I'm not against. I'm for the ability of us to choose, make the right decisions, and in any case, make the right lifestyle, healthy strategies to go forward to a healthy winter cough, cold, and flu season. So anyway, thank you very much for tuning in. Once again, this is Rob Crest from Root Pharmacist Radio. Visit us over at Instagram at Root Pharmacist, same on Facebook, or you could find us uh, at any of our websites, such as rootpharmacist.com or functionalpharmacy.com. Have a wonderful day and thanks again.